Hey sister, welcome back to the Your Sorority Journey podcast. For the past several months, we have been trying to brainstorm and envision what recruitment in a virtual world might look like. As we've seen some success in some enthusiastic new members join your chapters, it's time to now look forward and think about what the membership experience or the new member experience is going to look like for your chapter in a virtual world. I don't know about you, but in the same way that several months ago looking at recruitment felt scary, it can feel overwhelming to think about how to provide an in-person social experience virtually. I think one of the biggest questions looming as we look at the fall is how do we provide this traditionally in-person, huge emphasis on the relationships experience virtually, right? Our whole sorority experience has been built around this structure of in-person chapter meetings, social functions, in-person sisterhood events, committee meetings, all the different things, even philanthropy events and fundraisers that all happen in person on your college campus that now need to happen in a virtual way. In the same way that the rest of the world is adapting to this new space, so is our sorority experience. So our guest today is a new sister friend of mine who is actively having these hard conversations as the internal vice president of her panel and council at the University of Colorado Boulder. Rachel is discussing and evaluating with the chapters on her campus what's in the best interest of the members when it is so hard to weigh what the members want versus their best interests. I am so excited for you to hear her big picture perspective of the implications of the plans and the events that we are scheduling now. Here is my conversation with Rachel. Well, Rachel, welcome to the Your Sorority Journey podcast. I'm so excited. This is going to be really fun. I'm excited. It'll be good. I think it's so funny that even though we like live in the same state, we're like recording like so far from each other on different sides of the country. How's, how's life in the Tridelt house? It's awesome. We have a lot of girls living in and we're just trying to be the safest we can. So Tridelta Nationals is really good at giving protocols. So thankful for that. But we're just take it one day at a time right now. So. Yeah. What's it like? Um like seeing your sisters in the house outside of your like personal room, like what's your whole setup? Um, so pretty much people wear masks anywhere they go and you can go in common spaces, but you have to sign up for them just so they regulate like how many people are in each room. Um, and you can still tell if people are smiling because a lot of the people smile with their eyes. So that's helpful. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, you just say hi. It's, it's more so like I'm used to smiling at people to like acknowledge their presence, but now it's like you have a mask. So I have to like nod or like say hi. It's like more verbal communication rather than just like facial expressions because half of your face is covered up. Um, so that's kind of fun when you're trying to say hi to someone, but then you do like you smile but then you're like, wait, why didn't they smile back? And you're like, wait, I'm wearing a mask. <laughs> I can't see <laughs> so anyways. To, yeah. You have to keep <laughs> going with the flow. So, Man, well, that's awesome. I'm like, it's super fun to hear like on the inside of what the sorority experience is like, like in a house right now, because all the collegians I've talked to up until this point on the podcast, it has been like before the fall semester starts. So that's mm-hmm. so fun. Has it been good to like see your sisters even under the circumstances? Yeah, it's been really good just to hear about people's summers and what they did. And rather than being cooped up at home all summer or 
you know, doing everything from online. We're still doing a lot of things from online, but just having like more humans around you moving is really comforting and being able to go outside and just like explore Boulder, which is always really beautiful. Yeah. Well, why don't we just like jump into your like sorority experience? Uh, Obviously you're in Boulder, you're a Tri-Delta at CU Boulder, but Rachel, like tell us a little bit about you, how you found your home in your sorority and where you're at now. Yeah, um, I'm a senior at the University of Colorado and freshman year I went through primary recruitment and joined the Tri-Delta Theta Beta chapter. I am the first one in my immediate family in sorority and fraternity life, so it's kind of fun trying to explain everything that goes on and like different leadership positions and how things work with people outside of this organization and just the general life of being in a sorority. Um, That's so funny. I had the same experience with my dad. He's like, you have a lot of vice presidents. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. So it's it's fun just explaining the process to people. Uh, I didn't know anything really about sorority and fraternity life when I joined. I had some cousins who did it, and um, they inspired me to go through. And I'm also an out-of-state student, so I I never want to leave saying, what if I did that? And I always thought, well, I'll go through, and if I don't like it, I I can always say no. And so here we are four years later um, and I've met, met some like amazing, powerful women and it's amazing really creating a network of relationships that will just last the, a lifetime. They're just a constant support system um, all over the world and state and city. So that's awesome. Yeah, totally. So you mentioned like you've had to explain these different leadership positions to your family. What leadership positions have you held in your collegiate experience? Yeah. Um, so when I joined Tri Delta, I was slated into music chair first. So I have a musical background with musical theater and violin and singing. And so I've never heard of that position. That's awesome. Yeah. So Tri Delta, they have like lots of historical music that we sing during chapter and lining up for chapter. Um, And so basically my job was to learn those songs and teach it to the new members. And during preference night for primary recruitment, we sang different songs. And so um, it was just being a leader. So it was like singing in front of people of like, no, and I didn't really know, you know, as a new member, (laughs) there's like seniors that you don't really meet at first. Um, And then after that, I was continuous open bidding chair, which is COB. And um, that was a really amazing position because I got to meet a lot of the new members coming into the house and put on fun events and work really closely with the recruitment team. So me and the VPM, which is vice president of membership, were working really closely together and just overlapped jobs a lot. Um, so we were kind of running the house last year. Um, that lear- I learned a lot from those and just leading people. And then I'm currently internal vice president on Panhellenic. Um, so basically second in command of the president and um, I get to work with all chapters and so that's a really cool experience that's kind of my trail of leadership in Tri-Delta just with sorority and fraternity life yeah oh my gosh I'm sure it's so it's so common that when you see a leader be so involved in her chapter she's probably also so involved (laughs) in the community right or like a lot of your like high highly involved students on campus are just fraternity and story life students. So I think that's, yeah. I'm sure like your leadership experience, like expands so much farther than that. But what do you think drew you outside of your chapter to be involved with the Panhellenic Council? And I mean, you've got a, a big scope of responsibility mm-hmm. as the vice president. So like, what does, what drew you to that? 
Yeah, that's a really good question. When I think about Tri-Delta leadership, I really like value the things I learned from Tri-Delta and the members here and like my advisors. And then when I was thinking of, okay, what should I do next year? It's always like, well, I could do Tri-Delta leadership or maybe I should expand to do different leadership or maybe I shouldn't do leadership in the chapter and I should delve into like, I did the kayaking club for a semester. So <laughs> whitewater kayaking. So like different things that you can just spend your time doing. Um, yeah. My big, last year she was Panhellenic president and she was constantly encouraging me to apply. And I was like, oh, I just don't know. What is it about? I really like to know. I'm kind of a planner. So I like to know what does it entail? And like, what are all the details before I even add something or like apply to it? Um, so I really was looking forward to like being a leader in a larger scale way. And so um, Panhellenic is the largest woman organization on campus and probably many campuses with over 3000 women. Um, and so I applied and I was surprised and got this position because I actually applied for a different position, but that's the beauty of people seeing something in you that you might not see in yourself. And so I decided to do it. And um, yeah, it just gave me healthy distances from what I was involved in and then being able to still be involved in it, but in a different way has been really cool. Yeah, it's so funny hearing you say that you ended up in a position that you didn't apply for. What's so, a couple things are so funny about that. One, I feel like I had a very similar position. It might not have had the same title, but a very similar position on our Panhellenic Council at Arizona State, and I also didn't apply for it. It was called mm -hmm. Vice President of Internal Affairs, and I had uh, envisioned myself in a different place on the council and ended up there, and like you said, it was like totally, you just like felt intentionally placed, like mm -hmm. it was matched your skill set where you were supposed to be. But one of the things I am so passionate about with sorority women is I feel like it's October, right? The month of October is filled with anxiety about who is going to be the next something. Like who's mm -hmm. going to be our next president? Who is going to be our next vice president of internal affairs for a pandemic, whatever. Mm -hmm. And instead of like waiting to have all this worry in October, like how powerful would it be if we were able to like come alongside emerging leaders throughout yeah. the year and give them a glimpse into our positions and share with them the strengths we see in them, like mm -hmm. the experience you had, like how much more powerful would it be if we were able to say, wow, Sally, you are such a good team member. Like you're so good at managing people or you're so good at organizing events. These are things I think you'd be really good at so that in October, we like have all these women who know their strengths and values and what they bring to the table and have been empowered throughout the right. year to, I don't know, seek those positions. Mm -hmm. I think there's like so much beauty and there's a, it's really cool being able to run for a position, but I think there's a lot of beauty in like you put your name out that you want a position and then you apply and then the board can reevaluate and they see the whole picture. And so I feel like that, I don't know, it's kind of really like my relationship with the Lord and Jesus throughout college I feel like I've always had to trust him because he sees the bigger picture and here I am doing something or applying for something and it doesn't go the way I want. And I'm like, wait, what? But it's like looking at that through Panhellenic's eyes, um, it's been really cool because they saw something in me that I didn't see. 
and here I am and I actually really like the position I am and I'm so glad I didn't have the other position and I'm seeing strength in a lot of the board members in their positions even as we go and so it's really cool because I was talking to the other board members the other day because um, we just did recruitment and they were talking about how they applied for different positions on the board Wow! and we we're all like wait what we kept applying for each other we have all applied for different positions and <laughs> and it worked out perfectly of like how they how they chose you know and so it's interesting how circumstances might not end up the way you want to but in the end um that's what is the best decision was right and i think at the end of the day you end up supporting every position in one way or another mm -hmm. even if it's just vocally saying i support this decision the vice president of recruitment made and i'm going to stand behind mm -hmm. her even though i don't run that position someone told me an older member very early on told me before our elections my freshman year that the chapter always makes the right decision mm -hmm. and if you don't believe that or the community always makes the right mm -hmm. decision and if you don't believe that then why are you in your organization yeah. because even if you don't vote for even if the woman who's elected isn't who you voted for mm -hmm. over half the chapter or over two-thirds of the chapter depending on what your rules are saw that woman best fit so it's your responsibility to like trust the way your sister saw that and like it's I don't know like support her and like come alongside her. I don't think it's just like okay, I'm willing to be moved mm -hmm. to where my strengths are best fit. I'm also willing to like support women whose strengths best fit the position yeah. that maybe I wanted or I wanted my friend in. Um yeah, I think there's a lot of power and sisterhood when you trust a chapter enough mm -hmm. to put you where you're meant to be or put someone where they're meant to be. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. So what do you think, and this can be like pre or post pandemic, <laughs> what do you think like the most rewarding part of being a Panhellenic leader has been for you? Um, I think honestly, it changes, you know, month to month because you have different experiences. And so I was, I would say before the pandemic, it was really, I was able to have like more personal interactions with the other members on the board from different chapters. And so I really valued that just like getting more insight to what other chapters do and, you know, hearing their story. Cause you, a lot of times when you're in a chapter, you hear your own chapter story of your own sisters. Um, and so it was really cool hearing other people's stories who weren't in my organization, but were in a similar organization. Um, so that was really fun, just like hanging out with them and being with them. Um, and, you know, in-person meetings and all the things that we were used to. Post-pandemic, um, something rewarding has been just being able to communicate, I would say, more efficiently and, and effectively with other chapters. I feel like more people are comfortable on online platforms now and they're mm. like less intimidated to meet with you because it's like you're both on the same level of an online platform rather than one person sitting on this side of the table and one person sitting on this side of the table. And like, you're like, oh, I'm kind of nervous. I feel like people, um, you know, are less nervous to express themselves on video. And so I definitely have like chapters reaching out to me, like meeting with me and, um, you know, asking questions, which I really value and am happy that they're doing that. And it's so easy to just like put it on the schedule. So there's pros and cons <laughs> to, be, to both. Definitely. Yeah. It's a quick commute, you know, mm -hmm. to like yeah. make those meetings or the travel time between meetings is a exactly. lot shorter. Exactly. Um, yeah. So maybe we should clarify this. I don't even know why I forgot to ask this earlier, but like talk to me through like your responsibilities or like the scope of your Panhellenic role. 
Yeah, so as I said, I'm internal vice president and basically I work with the judicial board process and approving social events and just like basically the risk chair of if you were thinking of a chapter, like I'd be the risk chair. But um, on Panhellenic, it's like the president and then internal VP, then we have external VP. And so I'm the internal one. And I really work with all chapters approving events, social events with outside entities um, and just making sure they're safe and connecting with the contacts I need to, to make sure those go smoothly and just really trying to clarify what what can be done, what can't be done, what we suggest, um, and things like that. So really just making sure people are safe and supported in the way they need to within their chapter as a whole. Totally. Like what a unique year to hold a role that's like how do we keep like the internal community like mm -hmm. engaged but also safe, right? Because like I think about like that role on any panel and council. And it's normally like a lot of paperwork, a lot of events, like mm -hmm. a lot of back and forth, helping people understand like what's safe outside of like a global mm -hmm. pandemic, right? Like just like right. transportation and alcohol and fraternities and all this different stuff, right? Like there's mm -hmm. so many pieces that go into that role and then like throw a, I don't know, a global health issue yeah. crisis yeah. in there. I, the next question I was going to ask, and this can also be pre or post like COVID, mm -hmm. what are like the greatest challenges you've experienced in that role, I think, or like the most unique challenges that you didn't expect given this year's events? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good question. I'm constantly like telling leaders of their chapters <clears throat> that none of us like signed up to be in this position during this time. Like if anyone saw in the calendar, oh, pandemic you know, it'd be interesting to see who would have actually stepped up to the plate knowing that information. Um, but I would say like the title of this podcast goes really well with that question. It's like leading a social community in a socially distant season. Um, my whole role is dealing with social events and people and having people enjoy each other and coming together and just enjoying that in-person social interaction. And so my position, obviously, I explained that earlier, but it's approving those events and making sure they're safe. Um, and so it's been challenging to figure out what does it look like to have that experience still, but being safe and really having the best interest of my, in mind of everyone involved. And I'm put in a really interesting position because Panhellenic deals with chapters as a whole and not individual members. And so we have different nationals of different chapters saying you can either not have any events or you need to check with your Panhellenic and your state guidelines to see if you can even have events. And so in my There's mind, like no I'm like, consistency, right. And it's not a consistent message at all. And so in, in my realm of leadership here, it's, well, there's some chapters that are allowed to do it through their nationals and there's some that aren't. And so um, it's really just empowering the leaders in each chapter to make the decision that's best for their chapter um, Panhellenic can't say no you can do this or yes you can do this like that's not in our in our realm it's like they're nationals and they need to be really connected with them to understand those but I'm I'm like having conversations with chapters about um, you need to think of your chapter and think through questions and think through what is the best best thing for your chapter like I can't say yes or no because you know your chapter best I know my chapter but 
and I'm running, you know, trying to guide all these chapters. So I'm really like trying to empower and encourage these women. Like now is the time to step up and be leaders and um, really like have the best interest of their chapter in mind. So really it's, it's been challenging trying to just navigate that situation and figure out what, what the best thing is for everyone. Totally. And I think I can't even imagine how much harder it would be Boulder starting this week. Did you guys go back this week? Yeah, we, this is our second week. So we just started, it's Tuesday. So we, we had a week so far. Yeah. Well, I think about schools like yours that just mm-hmm. started this week or, I mean, quarter schools on the West Coast that don't go back until like late September who are seeing a trend of, I don't know, you like hear about all these schools that are like going on lockdown or sending their students home or kicking sorority women and fraternity men out of their housing because of these violations that it's like, whoa, there's like this whole nother sense of like urgency and I don't know, like I would say anxiety just from like an outside perspective around like, what are we supposed to do? How do we prevent this? Because as social organizations, my favorite, I think we totally misinterpret what social organizations mean, right? Like because of the media, we think it's all about these like parties and like photo shoots and like social interactions when really fraternities and sororities were created to better equip men and women for society, right? Like our society is also in the middle of a global pandemic and learning how to adapt virtually. Like let's be a part of that. But I don't know, like fraternity men, sorority women are just like so Mm -hmm. equipped and like so ready for that like in-person interaction. Like I am a hugger. So is most of my sorority, right? Like not every sorority woman is like that, but I just like want to be around people. Mm -hmm. And so I literally can't imagine how difficult it must be to try to help guide these chapters to how to like rethink what social, but what being a social organization means right now. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Like a challenge we never would have thought would have like have even arisen. It's just so beyond what anyone thought. So it's really cool seeing people step up to the plate and, you know, creating protocols and just learning and like being around my sorority members and sisters, um, even the board of Tri-Delta trying to navigate it and then Panhill's trying to navigate it and then every chapter is trying to navigate it. So it's really comforting in a sense to know the whole nation and world is going through this. And so I feel like supported from that even, um, even though it's, it's crazy that everyone's going through it, but just like knowing this is not, we're not the only school, we're not the only chapter doing this. And that's just comforting in itself to think about that. Yeah. And I think it's so important to keep that big picture perspective. Like you said, like, because you aren't alone in this, right? Like CU Boulder Panhellenic is not the only group of people affected by what's happening in the world, Mm -hmm. but I think it can, I don't think it I don't think it takes away from how hard it is to restructure and to pivot and to adjust, especially for seniors like yourself who like had a picture of what your senior year was going to look like. Um, When we chatted last week, you were sharing with me some of the questions you were asking women or like what some of these conversations looked like with chapters about like how to reassess what events need to happen or what kinds of programming or like social activities 
-hmm. how to like review what matters right now. Would you mind sharing those or like what some of those conversations have looked like with our audience? Cause I think that really just blew me away. Like the level of like insight and like forward thinking that you had going into those conversations. Yeah. And when I talk about these questions, it was definitely a team effort. Um, I call my advisor and I was like, hey, yo, I'm having this conversation and I'm, you know, definitely a team effort. So I can't take all the credit for it, but um, definitely we have amazing advisors. But a few things that we were talking about in our conversation was what are things chapters need to ask themselves when they're thinking through, we need to use our chapters money wisely. They paid. We want them to have the experience, but also there's a global pandemic. What do we do? And so again, empowering um, women to make these decisions. And so um, I had a meeting with a risk chair last week, and I will also, I'm also having a meeting with more um, tomorrow, actually. But um, some questions we were thinking through is, um, are we isolating or excluding members who cannot come to in-person events for various reasons, whether it's resources or um, health concerns and things like that? A second one is, is having an in-person event forcing people to make difficult decisions between their health and the perceived social benefits. And so I think these wow. two questions really go with the movements even happening this summer. It, like inclusion goes way, way farther into life than, um, you know, the color of someone's skin. That is so important. And it also goes to like making people feel welcome and not isolating members because they are scared to make a decision out of their health. And then we just had a couple more questions and it's like, are we keeping other members from coming to this event? As in, there are some members who decided to stay home because that's where they felt the safest. And there's some members who are living in or on campus, but by having an in-person event during this pandemic, in a way it's isolating those people who are home, who felt the safest from coming to those events. And lastly, like through event thinking and, um, you know, the perceived benefits and everything, are we giving a perception that we are disregarding guidelines put in place, you know, whether that's live-in members wearing masks or not wearing masks outside the house, really close together. Um, so these are just questions my advisor and I were thinking through when we were like, how do we have these conversations and how do we make, empower them to make the best decision when Panhellenic or their president or of the chapter cannot make that decision and say yes or no. So like really empowering the risk chairs and social chairs and presidents of chapters to think through these and, and see how inclusive can we be and really strive for that inclusivity and not excluding as much as they can. Yeah. Wow. I love what you said about empowering the chapters to make these decisions because, and you get this being a panhellenic officer, pre-COVID, your big probably talked about this when she was Panhellenic president last year. It you hear so often like, oh, Panhellenic said we have to do this, mm -hmm. or Panhellenic is making us mm -hmm. not talk to PMs during this time frame or not drink during this time frame, right? They just throw these rules at mm -hmm. you like the chapters themselves didn't vote on them to make them something that they abide by. You know, mm -hmm. it's like Panhellenic is just throwing this bad news at you at you being like at the chapters. And I think leaders sometimes out of fear of like disappointing their members or like being a downer on their members, just defer it to someone else mm -hmm. saying like, somebody else told us we have to do this. Like, don't blame me. But yeah. how much more powerful would it be 
in any situation, but especially this one, for the leaders to say, look, we have evaluated the health and safety and priorities of our organization, and these are the guidelines we're setting forth for events, or these are the guidelines we're setting forth for sisterhood, Mm -hmm. whatever it looks like, because I truly believe the members will have so much more respect for those rules when they know that women who they elected Mm -hmm. to lead them made those decisions, Mm -hmm. not just this ambiguous panelenic. And even though they might know Rachel, if, if they're a tri-delta, they might know, oh yeah, Rachel's on panelenic. Maybe she had something to do with that. They don't always connect those dots in a chapter meeting. That's just their chapter. Mm -hmm. And I think the, your point about like the, the exclusion right? Of like, how are we excluding members from being involved Mm -hmm. in this? I think about this summer, like in lieu of the Black Lives Matter activism, how the sorority women, how like college students were like on the front lines of this work, right? They were like, they were the ones sharing the posts and calling people to donate and really like making waves and like Mm -hmm. bringing awareness to some of this. And I think it's just as important then as it is now to continue being those people mm-hmm. who are promoting inclusion and helping cultivate safe spaces in their yeah. chapters. Yeah. And I feel like just, you know, we never would have thought of, you know, in the past, unfortunately, like inclusion with social events, we're just like, oh, whoever can come, can come. And whoever doesn't want to come, doesn't want to come. And it wasn't like, oh, you know, people making these harder decisions, you know, on a large scale basis because of the pandemic. So now it's really interesting how like inclusion is going even towards social events and like risk shares have so much power of deciding how they want to be perceived, you know, of, of through not even their own chapter, but you know, their state, the, their college, it's panhellenic. Totally. Yeah. 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 I mean, you and I talked about like, the PR nightmares that could come out of this, right? Like Mm -hmm. you have an event that is masked and supposed to be like six feet apart. If those, some of those things um, become a little bit more lax throughout the event or throughout the year after like a few good events, I don't know. Like what if that movie night or even like something as innocent as a sisterhood movie Mm -hmm. night, right? Like becomes a, uh, I don't know, a, a spreader of COVID. So yeah, I mean, like we talked about last week, I just was so impressed to hear like the intentional thought that went behind that because I think people, especially chapters right now are really confused about my, my chapter paid, my chapter members paid money. They have expectations. They already had half of their last academic year, whatever, a quarter of their last academic year taken from them. I want to like make the most of this year. And something we talked about a lot in the spring was how awesome is it actually that we have this time to like remove all the distractions Mm -hmm. and really like focus back in on what matters, Mm -hmm. knowing that there's like women or members who joined for like some of those more like stereotypically social reasons. Mm-hmm. And I still think this is like we are continuing this time of prioritizing what matters most and carrying what we learned from the spring into the fall semester. Um, I'd be curious to hear like what advice you have for chapters, 
leaders who are trying to figure out, I have these members who I'm trying to keep happy. I'm trying to keep maybe in the chapter, but I have these like health and safety concerns. Like how do you meet in the middle and how do you figure out, I don't know, how do you figure out how to make decisions based on those things? Yeah, that is such a valid question. And honestly, it is, there's like no wrong or right answer. There are so many creative ways that people can, you know, make fun things happen, but it's just thinking through, um, like keeping the health and safety of the community in mind, not even your own chapter, but the community and how those actions can affect such a larger scale of people than just like, you know, the your chapter by having an event, it can go, you know, affects the city and everything beyond that. Um, so really keeping yeah, beyond the, the college community too. That's such a good point. Exactly. Yeah. Keeping the health and safety in mind and just the best interest interest of people, like people in general, what, you know? Um, yeah. So just really abiding by those. And then I would also say using like the national Panhellenic council network, like nationwide, to connect with other chapters, to see what they're doing and, you know, calling another school and say, hi, I'm a member at this chapter and this is my leadership position. And you're also in the same leadership position. Like, what are some really cool things you're doing? Like, let's brainstorm together. And I really like that idea because it's not a competition between chapters or schools. It's, it's coming together to navigate these hard situations and leveraging that network to really expand the thought process and the creativity behind it and I would just say like community is now more important than ever even though we need to stay physically distanced um it's it's so important to have that community and so really just like finding creative ways whether that's you know using your budget of like your a percentage of your budget to give gift cards out to sisters who may want to go to a one-on-one date with a gal pal or, you know, their partner or whatever. And just having, just like cultivating that time, like giving them an opportunity, but then as a risk chair, you're not in charge of what happens necessarily. And you're not liable, but rather saying, hi, here's this $25 gift card that we used in my budget that would normally go to a social event, but you take a friend or your mom out to dinner and you like enjoy that one-on-one time and really like take that in. And it's interesting because as as an out-of-state student personally, I've been out of state for four years now. And I've had to be creative with relationships that I have like out of state. And it's not like I can be like with them, you know, I'm 12 hours away from home. And so um, recently I had like a friend, like seven friends from another school give one of my friends on a special day, like seven different letters throughout the day. And like, oh, I tried wow. to coordinate it and everything. Um, and so that just like, honestly, didn't, it didn't cost anything. And it was a creative way of just showing that person that they're cared for and loved. And it was so surprising and they had no idea how many letters they were getting, but um, it was fun. Cause then like nine or 10 people were involved in that process. And it wasn't just a me and that person hanging out thing. It was like 10 people were involved in like creating that special day. And so it's also giving other people opportunities to feel good. Cause it feels good to gi- like to give, you know, it feels good to receive, but yeah. it, even like the Bible talks about, like, it's, it's important to be a giver. And so I really think that's really good in this time, just like being a giver in like whatever capacity you can. Absolutely. And I, 
I love what you said about being a giver because a few weeks ago on the podcast, we had one of my friends on who actually works for CASA, which is one of our Panhellenic, it's Kappa Alpha Theta's philanthropy. Mm -hmm. That's where they donate money. And she was talking about, you know, in this time that we feel like, or we're questioning if sorority is worth it or if paying my dues or going to these events or doing the things we normally do in a different way is worth it. You have to think about who it's impacting. Mm -hmm. If it's your philanthropy or if it's a sister who's relied on you, even if she's like not coming back to school, like finding creative ways to fundraise, connect with your sisters or your longtime friends. I think it's so important to remember in the same way that you have been like fighting this season, like fighting your own battles, going through the hardships that you've experienced. So are the people that you love Mm -hmm. most. And I really don't think there's ever been a more important time for us to go out of our way to connect with one another because it's way easier to isolate than it ever has been before. Right. You're not like seeing your sister in chapter every Monday looking a little off or mm-hmm. not showing up week after week to be like, Hey, are you okay? Like mm-hmm. we have to be so much more proactive mm-hmm. in our relationships because everybody's like, everybody's struggling. Everybody's going through something. And I love what you said about just like the value of community, because I have been trying to like use my network. You talk about leveraging your network. I've been trying to use my network to remind myself, to remind the women who listen to this podcast, why sorority matters mm-hmm. right now, because it's so easy to think that's not a necessity yeah. during this time. Yeah. It's like taking what we knew of sorority, which was, you know, fun in-person events and really that in-person interaction that me as an out-of-state student was like, oh, this is a way I can like, you know, get relationships and networking. And now it's just like, wait, that was just all like pulled out from under us. What do we do? But now it's just like, coming together with those sisters and friends and really brainstorming and just connecting with a larger scale of people rather than what you just have like reached to, you know, rather than just like, Oh, my neighbor next door. It's like, really let's like expand the social distance thing and like talk to someone in Oregon or like Iowa or New York (laughs) or Texas. And just like, it's normal thing to be reaching out like more than ever on Zoom or on whatever platforms are being used. So that's really like a creative way to like make those networking moves. Totally. And the other thing I think of is like technology is our friend, right? <laughs> like I can get on social media spirals as much as the next person, but remembering that that's a tool to like mm. connect and stay updated with how people are doing, even if it's like, DMing them like an inspirational quote. Like, I think we can use social media and texting and Zoom and TikTok and like you name it, like for our good, for our community's good, instead of, I don't know, just being like a time waster or Mm -hmm. like a, like something we spiral down into. So, yeah. Well, Rachel, I'm like so thankful for your insight. Is there like anything else you want to leave us with? Like anything at all? Uh, yeah. I just want to thank you for letting me be on here. And it was really cool to, you know, you have your, your own brain thoughts and then you're thinking of them and maybe talk to them with like another person. But like knowing that this information is valuable for other people is really inspirational. So I don't know. It's like, 
I, I guess I would encourage people to be talking with people about ideas and next steps for, and just like brainstorming. I've said brainstorming a lot, but honestly, like there's nothing that could go wrong with brainstorming and um, just, I don't know, loving people where they're at and um, yeah, trying to impact their life in a good way and enjoying what's around you and really just taking it um, as you can, because we don't know if something else will be taken from us or what tomorrow will bring. So really just savoring Mm. the moment, like one day at a time. Yeah, I love, I feel like this has been like a thread throughout what you've said, but like removing the pressure to figure it out all out on Mm -hmm. your own. If that's removing the pressure to be creative or removing the pressure to like come up with this perfect plan and solve everybody's problems, but like really being like vulnerable and utilizing your network to like pull from if that's like the letter thing or just like hearing that it's a good idea to like reach out to other people about what they're doing, you know, like Mm -hmm. we're so much stronger together than we are on our own. And our panel like communities are notorious for yeah. being competitive and this is just not the time for it. Mm-hmm. So I love that. And I, I, I'm really glad that you feel like validated that the things that you're feeling and the, the conversations you're having and the battles you're fighting, you're not alone in either. Mm-hmm. Like girl, when we met a few weeks ago, I was just like, Oh my gosh, I'm totally on this girl's team. Like she's, <laughs> She's killing it. She's got so much on her plate and she's killing it. So it's honestly an honor for me to be able to share your story and the things that you are learning because I know that they are going to help so many other sister friends out there too. Thank you. Thank you so much. I've really been looking forward to having Rachel on the podcast and sharing her experience with you all because not only does she have an incredible big picture perspective of the implications of some of these decisions that we're making right now, but she's an active member of her sorority. It's not like she has been out of the chapter for several years and can speak into and provide guidance like a lot of our guests do and they do well. She's actually the most relatable person for you that our college students could hear from. I am so thankful for her perspective about how important it is to take ownership of these decisions as leaders and think about the community in such a broader sense than just the women that you surround yourselves with, but really the people that live in your college town. I hope that you will use those questions that she shared and are provided in the show notes and on Instagram to really evaluate your chapter calendar and figure out if you are being as inclusive and responsible in considering the health and safety of everyone involved as we move forward in this semester. I know this is some uncharted territory and there are so many questions and so much uncertainty. And so I just wanna remind you again that you're not alone in navigating this in the same way that Rachel is not alone in trying to lead these social communities in having a virtual social experience. So if there's anything else that you need help with or resources on, please reach out to me either on Instagram or on my email that you can find on Instagram because I would love to be providing content that is meeting you exactly where you're at in this unique season of your sorority journey. If this episode resonated with you in any way, if you found yourself nodding along or saying yes in agreement with 
what was talked about, we would love to hear from you. There are three ways that we would love to know how this, how this podcast is impacting you and how we can better support you. The first is by leaving a review. When you go to the Your Sorority Journey podcast on Apple Podcasts and scroll down past all the episodes, please leave us a review so that we can know how this podcast and the content is impacting your sorority journey. We would also love it if you would tell your friends so they can get tuned into these conversations. And finally, shoot us a DM. If you have questions, if you would like to hear something, or if you just want to tell us what you think, feel free to shoot us a DM at Her Sorority Journey so we can know how we can best support you on your sorority journey.